Welcome to the Off Trail Podcast. I'm Constantine. And I'm Magpie. And this is a show about light outdoors. Come take a step with us into what it takes to be a hiker, backpacker, rock climber, cyclist, or any other type of outdoor adventure. Let's get to stepping. All right, so welcome back to the Off Trail Podcast. My name is Constantine, and today we have the opportunity to speak with the one and only Renee and Tim, more well-known, I guess, as thru-hikers, or maybe more well-known as Renee and Tim. Either way, guys, thanks for hopping on with me. Thanks for having us. Yeah, super pumped to be here. Yeah, so I was really stoked to chat with y'all because i kind of been loosely following y'all's journey this past year, and I want to really touch on the route that y'all just completed but before we get there, I want to open up the show to you, kind of set the tone a little bit. So I usually begin the show with a big, broad, open-ended question and let you take it from there. So the question is, who are you? <laughs> um, I guess I'll go first. I'm yeah. Tim. Um, yeah, I think of myself as a wilderness athlete. Uh, so, you know, we, me, I, I like... I like being out there on the trails, but I also like the wilderness and the um, the nature part of it. So, like, long distance hiking for me is this combination of of physical exertion coupled with with peace and nature. Hmm. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm Renee. Um, yeah. So I think Tim and I are both from the Midwest. I'm from Wisconsin. Tim's from Chicago. We um, live in Germany. Uh, in the off seasons um, since 2018 we've been living in Germany so that's been interesting um, yeah awesome quick tangent what is it with mid the Midwest and producing just all these athletes like everybody I talk to nowadays is just from the Midwest and they've done insane things out outdoors <laughs> I don't know I felt like Wisconsin had this huge presence on all the trails we've been on um, I mean, it was just paying attention. We lived in Wisconsin for a long time together. I love Wisconsin, but I, I know you even just had some people on from at least the Midwest somewhere. Well, that's what Star I'm... Lord. Yeah, yeah, and that's what I'm saying. It's like you look at these people that continue to pursue these outdoor pursuits, and you're like, Wisconsin, Minnesota, <laughs> Michigan. You're like, okay, something's in the water around here. <laughs> Interesting. So <laughs> I can't tell you what, but I agree. I like the Midwest. So you guys are originally, both of you all are originally from the Midwest, and you say you now live in Germany. Are most of your pursuits outdoors-wise in the U.S., or do you do a lot of European backpacking, European hiking? Kind of walk me through the journey to find your all, your all self in Ger- Germany. Yeah, yeah. So in 2018, we <clears throat> did the PCT, um, and then right after the PCT, we moved to Germany for work. So for about uh, maybe three years, we were living in Germany, and all of our holidays were hiking German trails. So it was a yeah fun experience learning our new country, um, walking through. I mean, very different than backpacking in the U.S., but um, yeah, you you know walk from town to town, beer garden to beer garden, and um, but still there's little huts and you can sleep outside in the huts so we i think hiked about a thousand miles on germans germans trails wow yeah we um we we were super into the the 
mapping apps when we moved here and there was no good mapping app for German trails. So we actually made one. Uh, so that was a fun project we did, especially during COVID. Um, but at other times also it's an ongoing thing as we learned how to code and we made a, a, a app kind of like gut hook, but it's its own thing, uh, for hiking the trails of Germany. So that's cool. Huh. Can you can you walk me through again layman's terms here because I'm not either an engineer nor a professor, but can you walk me through like the layman's terms of making a hiking app? Because I know overseas right now, Hiker H I I K E R is like a big app over there. But how do how do you all even go about starting to make a hiking app? Yeah, so um, you 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 say okay. I'll I'll start at the beginning. It's kind of fun. We. We wanted to go hike this trail called the Witch's Trail, the Harzer Hexenstieg, which is near us. And we started looking for um, for resources to do it and couldn't find any. So we made kind of a map in Google Maps, uh, whatever you call it, where you can make your own thing with your own waypoints. And it was convenient, but it didn't do calculating along the trail. So then we said, okay, for the next hike we do, let's figure out how to make a, a slightly more advanced app that does some of the stuff like tell you how far it is along the trail to the next waypoint and uh and so we we're building up these these resources for ourselves and our, our good friend parmesan who's who's also part of the project um and before you know it we said like oh we're doing enough coding just kind of figuring it out that we could turn this into an actual app and release it for people to use so then it was all of our nights and weekends going from this little thing that started off Google map on our phones to a, a bona fide app that's written in Java and Swift and released on the app store and the play store. Wow. So y'all aren't using pre-existing software. You guys are creating it pretty much from scratch. It sounds like. Yeah, right. We, yep. We did it pretty much from scratch. Yep. Yeah. I mean, there's packages anytime you make software, you use um, packages that were written by others that you can plug into your software, but but yeah, the whole interface is made by us. The um, the calculations are, are done by us. Yeah. How far along in the process are y'all? Is this an app that people right now, if they are hiking in Germany, can go ahead and use, or is it still in like the beta phase? It's no, it's out there, and some people are using it, so it's it's kind of cool. Yep, and we, you know, have collected all the data that's in our in the app by ourselves so far. So um, yeah, it's it's pretty fun. Huh, so yeah, our our big question now is how do we grow it so that users can put in more data? We we like the idea of having an app that's like um, that grows as people use it, but we don't want the data to be low quality. Like you know, if you try to use some of those all trails things compared to Guthook, let's say uh, it, there's a different data quality, and we're trying to to be an app with high data quality. So you all both have careers. Um, I think we were touching on it before the show. One of you is an engineer and the other is a professor. So is this the goal? Are you all working towards making this app your full-time, both of y'all's full-time jobs? Or are you happy with kind of the blend you have right now? Yeah, I guess the app is mostly just a, a fun a fun hobby. Yeah, it's a good resource for others and uh, yeah, fun, yeah. Yeah, we haven't made any money off of the app. People are downloading it and using it, but uh, but no, I, I think it seems hard to go into hiking apps as a um, 
as a profitable enterprise, especially in Europe where hiking is not as big, long distance hiking is not as big as it is in the U.S. So it sounds like right now with the blend of kind of the work and play, you guys have found a sweet spot that still lets you go experience these trails, experience these adventures. And right now you're okay in that sweet spot. You're not actively trying to push to make the app the full-time job or through hiking the full-time job. You're liking the blend so far. Yeah. Yep. I think we, yeah. So after in last year, 2021 was last year. I know. Sorry there. Um, we kind of decided that, you know, we thought, oh, maybe we should move back to the U.S. We really are itching to do another big through hike. Let's hike the CDT. So um, we thought we would do that. But then um, we instead, Tim switched to being a part-time professor here in Germany. Um, and I quit my job in Germany. And we went and hiked the CDT and then um, came back to Germany. And I... I'm now working for an employer in the U.S., um, and so we're both working part-time, and so we're able to do um, more of these big hikes. So that's been um, a really cool and lucky thing that we've been able to work out with our employers. Awesome. And and I'm curious here, and please, if this is too in-depth, you don't have to answer this question, but when I was, like, looking into y'all, y'all's followers count is really high comparatively for a lot of hikers, outdoors people, backpackers, what have you. Is that something that you're hoping to eventually transition into an income type thing? Or is that just kind of uh, not means to the end, but that's just something that happened along the way that just popped up from what y'all were doing? So that that was like a crazy mistake. Um, <laughs> we, we were making videos about dehydrating food and... Uh, putting them on TikTok and it just kind of took off and now it's taken off on Instagram and on YouTube and and it's fun to share what we're doing with with people there's you know we're constantly getting messages from folks saying oh you inspired me to go hiking or I lost weight because of you or wow I never knew like that your feet grow when you do a through hike and so stuff like that we're kind of showing this world to so many people and that's fulfilling and exciting hmm. um but yeah, there's like, there's the other side of it, which is there. It is uh, we make a little bit of money off of it, not a ton. Our jobs are, are what pays us, but you know we're not trying to make this our big thing. But I think I mean, I... followers. Yep. But, yeah, I think yeah, I I like engineering. I'm I'm happy being an engineer. So yeah. <laughs> So, so it was just a, that was my long-term gig. Yep. So it was just kind of a happy accident, it sounds like. Yeah, yeah. totally. And something else, like, it would be hard to be, um, you know, full-time social media through hikers for 30 years. Like, mm-hmm. I don't have to retire for 30 years, but, um, but I think the social media window is maybe a little shorter than that, so. Well, I, I asked that because... One, there's, uh, at least from my point of view, a lot of folks I've talked to on the show, off the show, just in the outdoor world, a lot of what you all have already achieved is their goal. So they're like, well, I want to become a full-time influencer. I want to become a full-time social media person. But it sounds like for y'all, you reach this step and you're looking at it realistically and you're saying, well, even though I'm here, this is not where I want to spend my time and energy. It's just 
something that happened. So that's why I was curious in your answer. I was curious if it's something you wanted to keep pursuing or it's just you're going to keep enjoying your adventures as is and that's just part of the adventures at this point. Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. Yeah, well, yeah, keep it as part of our adventures and keep adventuring and yeah. So this is for me personally, again, a deep hole I can go into and I promise I'll try not to go too deep into it. But the social media aspect of outdoor adventure, for you all that sounds like you've been doing outdoors or whatever, however you want to define it for so long, does it add to your experience out there? Does it take away? Can you kind of walk me through these? I've seen some of y'all's content and it seems pretty, what's the word for it? Pretty in depth. Like it seems like you all are creating something at least once a day, if not more. So is that something that adds to y'all's overall journey? We've we've gotten pretty good at streamlining it. I mm-hmm. think it I think it does add to our overall. Well, for me, it, it adds to it. Knowing that I'm you know sharing this information with people and they really like it, I'd say it adds. Um, yeah, and it's it's kind of a fun conversation topic too. While we're hiking, we I mean we're kind of weird and we mostly hike like together 100% of the time. <laughs> I hike in front and Tim hikes behind me because I'm the slower one. And so it gives us a conversation topic of like, huh, what would be interesting? What's, um, I mean, on a through hike, you know, your mind is pretty free and ideas flow pretty easily usually. So it's, it's a fun time to just be thinking of, yeah, what's an interesting thing about through hiking that we could share with um, others. So, and then like, what's a fun way to share it is that's a talking point that, yeah, that we spend a lot of time on, but it can be fun. So here's an example is, um how do you poop in the woods that like that's an interesting topic inherently but how do you explain that in a fun way so like on the cdt all summer we wanted to make a video sharing how we poop in the woods but we didn't want to make it uh gruesome or whatever so we just kind of talked about it on and off for two months and then eventually we figured out how do you make that an interesting video and it has this little intro skit and uh yeah and then it it did really well and so it it felt like yeah that was a fun talking point for a long time and then the reward was people enjoyed it Hmm. so it sounds like you all have multiple ideas kind of boiling in your head and like you lit the idea it's not like hey i need to put out this content today i need to get the pooping video out tonight like it's like no it has to come naturally once we figure out what it actually the communication properly and once we figure out what should be shared that's when it comes out so it sounds like you're juggling multiple ideas at once yeah yeah definitely yeah and we try to you know on trail we were trying to get out two videos a week but i mean it was always the whole trail thinking of yeah what could those videos be and yeah not not putting too much pressure on ourselves but yeah Mm -hmm. And then the other things we do, we all summer we put out a daily Instagram picture and a daily blog post, and we've really streamlined that so that it doesn't cut into our day too much. It's like everybody, we're always taking pictures out there, and then at night, it's our nightly chores. One of us writes the blog post, and it's like a paragraph, and the other one writes the Instagram post, and that's like even shorter, and then we take turns trading, so that's 15 minutes before bed. Yep. Yeah. Just in our sleeping bags, just do that really quick. And it's great for us because yeah, we want to have a record of our hike for years to come. And so it's, yeah, 
rewarding in that sense too. With the with the physical exertion out there, um, I didn't get too into in depth, but no matter the miles you're doing, you're out there spending 12 hours moving, 15, whatever it may be. So with the physical physical exertion in a given day, have you all got into that camp and had moments of being like, this is really not something I want to do right now? And how, how do you handle that if you're trying to consistently write per day or create content per day? What do you do if that situation arises? Yeah, I mean, I think it, you know, I, I can remember a couple nights on this hike in particular. This this was a hard hike and canoe um, where I was writing that blog post and just falling asleep while <laughs> writing it. My eyes were closing, my head was falling down. And so... Um, I think, um, yeah, it only happened a few times, but I think I had to finish it the next day or go back and read it and say, hmm, I didn't quite finish my sentence there. So, um, but mostly, mostly it was okay. And then town, like, you know how it is when you're a hiker and you get to town. There's just so many chores and so many sleeping in the normal place. And, and so there were plenty of town nights where we would have to do our nightly chores the next night. Okay. Well, I just want to say kudos. I mean, you all seem to have a very healthy outlook on social media. And I don't say that to every hiker. <laughs> I don't say that to <laughs> every person in the outdoors. Like the way y'all look at it, even with, I don't want to use this word pressure, but even with the pressure of having the amount of followers you do, you still don't let that take away from y'all's journey. It seems like from what I've heard just in this past little conversation, it only adds to it. So yeah, kudos. That, that is, that's pretty awesome to hear. personality trait though because I don't think a lot of people can sometimes let that what as you put it toxicity roll off so that's definitely a personality trait it sounds like from the two of y'all <laughs> yeah. but we have um, a lot of awesome people who you know respond to that comment and say you know stop being mean so that's always nice too so. and I, I promise these again like this is a giant can of worms for me personally that we could dive down this thought line for a long time but this might be the last question here because it's something that I've also experienced in my personal journey with my partner is the social media especially when you're doing these routes and we're going to touch on the one that you just all completed here shortly but especially when you're doing these routes that you don't really share the trail with that many other through hikers or many other people it's just you and your partner is the social media at that point also a sense of community for y'all yeah, definitely. Yep. And it's, you know, and even watching other people on Instagram doing their hikes and, you know, sending them messages saying, cool, you know, um, cool that you're here on your hike right now. And yeah, that, that was really helpful on this current, this past hike that we just did. 
Yeah, I, I guess we'll get into it in a minute, but to put that into context, there is nobody on the Pacific Northwest Trail. That trail is empty <laughs> yeah. and lonely. And uh, yeah, we needed, I mean, Renee and I had each other at least. I can't imagine doing it alone, but we, we needed um, to interact with people. So yeah, social media helped there. Yeah, I think there's been a few moments that social media has stopped my partner from pushing me off a cliff. So, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, social media, even though, again, everybody has different feelings about it. But let's go into, yeah, the Pacific Northwest Circuit, not just the trail. Um, yeah, let's just set the basis for it. How did y'all figure out this route and what was the impetus for deciding to put this plan into action? Um, so... On the CDT um, last year, we towards the end of the CDT, we were like, "Wow, this walking—it's really cool, but we're we're really tired. Like our legs are tired. Maybe we should do something a little different next year. Maybe canoeing would be fun." And so, you know, we had no internet, no resources really on the CDT, but we were just brainstorming stuff we knew, and we said, "Oh, wouldn't it be cool to combine the Pacific Northwest Trail and the Columbia River?" And we had no idea if it was possible to canoe the Columbia River or anything, but we thought, oh, yeah, cool. Maybe that's an option for next year. And so we looked, when we got back, we kind of looked up the Columbia River and saw that there was a book about canoeing it. So we said, oh, great, it's possible. Okay, done, let's do it. <laughs> yeah, and then we, we combined the Pacific Northwest Trail with the Columbia River um, on the Great Divide trail which is in canada yeah it's like a continuation of the cdt so that was the circuit um in from the pacific ocean to the terminus of the pacific northwest trail then straight north uh for a few hundred miles into canada along the gdt then we cut down um from the gdt to the start of the columbia river and canoed back out to the ocean so all in, how many miles was that? On the map, it was 2,700, uh, but we tracked everything with GPS. Uh, it's all on Strava, and I think it was 2,850, something like that, when we were all said and done. So, yeah. So when About you... the length of a good long through hike. <laughs> so when you all were planning this out... Um... Renee, you said something about a book being along the Columbia River, but were there any other tracks? Like, had somebody already done this route and you were able to base it off of their map systems, or you're literally just getting different maps and putting them together? Yeah, I mean, we were just getting different maps and putting them together, yeah. So we, um, you know, we knew the Pacific Northwest Trail was a thing, so we used Hook for that, and we knew um, the GDT, uh, in Canada was a thing, so we, and then, um, yeah, we have our own um, <laughs> mapping app, so we, you know, I mapped out a route from the GDT to the Columbia River, that was maybe 200 miles, about, um, one or 200 miles, uh, just kind of a connector trail that I looked at, um, CalTopo, which is a mapping software, um, and planned out a route, um, wasn't exactly what we thought it would be, but um, <laughs> we can talk about that later. Um, and um, and so we yeah put that in our app, and then the Columbia River. Um, we also you know there was Tim pulled together some 
Make them river. You can yeah. you can pull um, GPS tracks for or not GPS, but like shapes of the river off the internet. So. Yeah, but okay. you know, yeah, we decided that we wanted to do the entire river, you know, human power all just by ourselves, and so there wasn't a lot of resources for that type of um, adventure because a lot there's 14 dams on the Columbia River, and a lot of people. Um, drive around the dam okay it's around the dams you know there's not that many people who actually um, canoe the entire river but yeah so it was yeah a lot of unknowns in the trip but (laughs) it added to the adventure so i guess how my mind's working is i'm trying to segment it apart so maybe we can try to walk through it segmented so you're starting at the western terminus of the pnt that am i correct that's your start area Yes. So you're starting there and you're looking down the length of the PNT. So that's the first kind of big chunk of this route. So going into the PNT, or I guess going into the Pacific Northwest Circuit, how did you wrap your mind around the adventure to come? Were you breaking it apart? What were you looking at when you were standing at that terminus? I think we had just dropped off the canoe at the start of the river. So we definitely had on our minds that we're walking to our canoe. But I think at that point, it was really, my mindset was, we're hiking the PNT. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep, definitely. And, uh, yeah, but hiking it in the wrong direction way too early. So <laughs> that was that was a challenge. Um, you know, the PNTA will tell you that everybody does the PNT westbound. And, and we said, oh, whatever, we're going to go eastbound because that matches what we want to do. Mm-hmm. Um Turns out there's a reason people go westbound, and also to make the weather window work, we had to start pretty early, and it was a reasonably high snow year also. So we were fighting snow at the beginning and then had some scary situations with high streams, and yeah, the first month of the trail, west well, less than a month, but whatever, the, the first stretch in western Washington was a, quite a challenge for us doing that in June. Yep. So you were in the Olympic range, what, mid-June, it sounds like? Yeah. Yeah, I think we started on the ocean on June 13th, I think. Yeah. So I'm curious because there's so many routes you can take through the Olympic range. Were you just like looking and being up to date on Snowtail? How, how did you manage? Because Olympic range, I think if I'm correct, is the first major obstacle with mountains going eastbound along the PNT. So coming up to that, how did you navigate around those mountain that mountain range we checked um what do you call it the the post holder which shows average snow level Mm -hmm. uh regularly and it wasn't very informative because it just said there's snow and so (laughs) we knew there was going to be snow we had talked to a ranger because you need permits through um through the olympic national park Mm -hmm. and he said well you guys are going to be the first ones going through this year so don't don't watch for footprints, and uh, sure enough, there were no footprints. And so our attitude was just kind of, we have to give it a try and see how it goes. And we actually couldn't make it, so we made it um, partway up to, there's this trail called the High Divide Trail, mm-hmm. and we were out there for a lot of hours. What was it? It was like five hours, and we had gone three and a half miles, and then I slipped off the mountain. The whole mountain was super sleep, or super steep, 
we were traversing, I slipped and hit a tree, and I didn't fall that far because the tree caught me, but that was kind of the wake-up call of, we've never had to to divert from the official route before on on hikes that we've done, but this time we said, no, let's uh, let's find an alternate. So we went down and hiked around the Olympics at that point. Yeah, so we we missed most of the Olympics, actually, so we were quite bummed, but... um... Yeah, I mean, Tim was literally dangling from a tree on the side of the mountain, and so yeah, it was it was pretty scary. And uh, yeah, we were not we didn't have the right equipment for the conditions, and it was just too early in the year for us. So can, yeah, that's a bummer. <laughs> can you walk me through a little bit what that conversation went like? Because it takes a lot of wherewithal to make that decision. Because it's a very hard decision to make when you're looking at safety or. Well, you all just pretty much started this really long journey and you're like already we're getting beat by a mountain, not beat by a mountain, but having to take a different route. We're having to make a different judgment call. So can you walk me through a little bit of that conversation of what that went like? Yeah, it was hard, uh, especially because I we we like to stick to the trail organizations route that's that's something that we try to do when we do these hikes and so um so we you know we had said we don't know how bad the snow will be we know we're heading out here early so let's give it a try and that was our attitude going into it like there's always rumors flying back and forth on the trail there were no rumors on this trail because we were the only ones at that point (laughs) and so we had the attitude at the start like let's see how it goes Mm -hmm. and then that whole day when we spent five hours to go three and a half miles. We kept saying, okay, around that bend, it'll get better. And around that bend, the, the traverse will become less steep. And then um, after I fell and hit the tree, it was a pretty sudden change, at least in my mindset. And Renee was flexible. I became terrified. The conversation was me probably being like, I don't want to go any farther. <laughs> I'm going to die. Yeah, Tim did not want to go forward or backward. He was ready to just stay on the mountain forever (laughs) until the snow melted. Very, very, very fair. Because, again, a lot of people run into situations like that. And you all have done the PCT and CDT. And you can even run into situations like that on those trails up in those mountains. And to have the, again, wherewithal to say that next corner is not going to get better. Like, we're going to start putting ourselves in a dangerous situation to be able to have that flexibility to say, you know what, we're going to come back down, reassess and make the safe call. Kudos again. Um, yeah, I know how hard that decision must have been. That's why I was interested to see what the conversation was. But it was like, nope, we're going to die. Time to turn around. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and we, we looked at the maps and it was just, yeah, I mean, it was just more traversing the side of the mountain for, you know, many more miles and yeah, it just just higher and higher along the side of the mountain. So last time we did a a podcast, they asked us a lot about snow because we had gone through the CDT and done the San Juans just fine with with the snow. And and I remember um, Chance from Backpacker Radio kept saying like, "Oh, you guys are you super snow badasses or something?" Because like everybody says that's crazy, and and we aren't. We just like the conditions were such that they didn't get bad that year, but she was impressed. And this time we were like. (laughs) 
Welcome to our pocket snack ad break. Now is the time during the show, during your hike, during your adventure, to reach into that hip belt pocket, to reach into that gear pouch, and treat yourself. Get yourself a nice little snack as we go through a bit of our quote-unquote ad. Can it be an ad if we're mostly talking about our own company? Don't know. That's uh, that's for better minds than ourselves. So, welcome to the pocket snack ad break. Um, sit down, walk, do what you will, but make sure to grab that snack as you listen in. So we wanted to talk about Eleven Skies. Eleven Skies is the company that we formed two years ago and we are hyper-focused in creating shorts and pants for the outdoors person, the hiker, the backpacker, the rafter, the bicyclist, anything and everything. Built a product that will last for any adventure ahead and it's also born, the very name is born from the Eleven National Scenic Trails so you can be proud to be representing promoting and bringing about awareness to the 11 National Scenic Trails and the very trails that gave us our name and continue to inspire us. So make sure to follow along with us at 11 Skies on Instagram, Facebook, and make sure to go check out our website, 11skies.com, spelled 11skys.com, where you can learn all about us and you can get yourself some gear today. So that's the quick pocket snack ad break. Hope you enjoyed your snack. If you're still chewing, keep on keeping on. Let's get back into the show. Nope, not, not impressing trons this time. We're just going to go backwards. <laughs> Snow is a very humbling experience because it, there's so many varieties. Like you could have showed up to that mountain two days later, three days later, and there might have been a snow bridge that melted out a little bit that would have made it a little safer. Like it just, it's come down to the luck of the draw and just like, I guess what you're willing to do with your own safety at certain points. So again, I'm glad, I'm glad y'all made the safe decision for for yourselves. That's, it's impressive. Um, It's a hard decision to make. So one more thing there, you just made me think of this. So we always on, on the CDT, on the PCT, we tend to start not super late, but on the later side so that we don't have to deal with snow so much. Yeah. And on this trail, starting late wasn't an option, like I said, because of the weather window to finish the canoe in time. So we knew we started kind of early. And then we've always felt like, well, if the snow's bad, we'll just wait it out and then continue. Um, like you said, maybe in two days it'll be better. But mm-hmm. once again, we knew from, from this was like day four of the trail, we already knew the weather window was going to be an issue if we um, waited a week to, to get the snow melt. So that was... We still walked it. We walked around, but yeah. that was why we made that tough call to, um, yeah, to not go through the mountains. So pretty early into y'all's route, you're taking an alternate. So you came back down the mountain. You're walking, connecting the footsteps, going around it. What What are y'all's feelings at that point? Because you're still looking ahead, and you got what thousand miles left of the PNT, which is super mountainous. Like, what were the conversations like that continuing forward? Yeah, I think, yeah, I was, yeah, pretty um, upset and <laughs> guessing our decision the entire time. But I mean, yeah, hindsight now, um, you know, three or four months later, it was it was the right decision. Mm-hmm. We should have, yeah, but it was rough. And, and then we were very nervous about the cascades and um, kind of the, the spring just was really slow to come in the Pacific Northwest this year. And so just the entire beginning of the trail was super just crappy weather, really rainy. And it was, it was, it was hard. It was mentally pretty tough. (laughs) 
And then we were really nervous about the Cascades up ahead, which you hit at like mile 500 or something. And they're a lot taller than the Olympics. And, um, and it was a high snow year there too. And so that whole first couple weeks we were thinking, what's going to happen? Are we going to be able to do this? And then one of the best days ever Hmm. was we, we headed up to 7,000 feet in the Cascades, which was like our first time up that high, one of the highest points that we got to on, on the whole PNT. And the snow was fine. It had mostly melted. Like it was a non-issue. Exciting that all of a sudden we were like, okay, we can do it. The snow is not an issue anymore. So that was cool. Where are y'all drawing your fuel from? So like, what is the mentality that keeps you going at that point? Because pretty quickly there were some, I guess, wrenches in the plan. There were different things that made you start, I don't want to use the term second guessing, but there were different things that made you be like, are we starting too early? Like there's all this snow. What was the fuel that kept y'all going when you're looking down this pipeline of still, what, potentially 2,800 miles left? Like, yeah, what's the, what's the fuel that keeps you going at that point? Oh, good question. Yeah, that is a good question. It's just fun to be What else would we be doing? <laughs> we can be at a or I don't know. It, it's fun. Yeah. It's a challenge. It's fun. Pretty uh, Like I said earlier, like, like I love the wilderness part. I love being out, at, out there. But then also there is this athletic part. And before Renee and I started doing long-distance hiking, we did – um, Ironman races, well, one Ironman race, but triathlons and, um, and marathons. And so, like, I think we both came at it from an athletic side, too. And so there is, like, the challenge of let's let's show this trail who's boss. <laughs> is that accurate? Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> okay, I mean, pretty, pretty straightforward. So I don't want to flash forward because there's probably so many intricacies that happen on the PNT, but... We won't be able to cover half of the stuff I want to cover, but is can I flash forward the PNT and get to the GDT, or are there any other standout moments along that trail you guys want to quickly touch on, or can we hop over to the GDT portion? Yeah, I mean, I think I think we can, yeah, definitely, let's hop over. Okay, so yeah, again, I'm sorry we can't touch on everything, but the PNT, y'all got through it, you're standing, I guess at the terminus of the GDT at Waterton Lakes, is that where y'all connected in? Um, sort of. We uh, planned that. We wanted to, but um. so we wanted continuous footsteps, and and all the borders are closed. So our borders crazy, but because of COVID, you can't cross in at Waterton. So, but um, but also the Chief Mountain border crossing is closed because of COVID. So what we ended up doing is we walked if if you don't know the trail this is gonna be confusing but if you know it which you do constantine we walked up to the terminus at waterton we tagged the border then we went back down to the official pnt and went over to chief mountain which is like a 30 mile walk or 25 or something um to finish the official pnt then from there we hitchhiked around to waterton national park through the border cross, through a border crossing that was actually open. It was a two-hour car ride. I mean, some awesome family gave us a ride around to an open border crossing <laughs> back to Waterton. Yeah, and then from there we walked south to the border and tagged the border at that same exact Waterton monument where we had been 
um, which felt so silly. There's no fence or anything. There's nobody <laughs> controlling whether or not we just walked across, but we didn't want to risk it. So, um, yeah, so that was like a, a long process. Yeah, like two extra days of crossing the border. <laughs> well, I, again, like I know the headache that the borders can can have, and I know the quote-unquote imaginary line is just imaginary line, and some hikers I've heard will just walk past it, but I love that you guys even took those extra two days to do it all legally, do it all correctly, just to leave a good flavor for other hikers. So even though it was a headache, <laughs> I love that y'all did that. So you went from the PNT, which by no means is an easy trail, and from just some of the stories, it was an extreme in an ex- extreme sense. So you go from an extreme trail to another extreme trail, the Great Divide Trail. And if you started the PNT early, you were still early for the Great Divide Trail, I'm assuming. Um, that for- At that point, it was not, if anything, it was late. Uh, we, oh. we were like two months on the PNT, so we started the Great Divide Trail uh, August, August 14th, something like that. Oh, okay. Uh, so no longer is it early. Um, but that's a hard trail. That's an amazing trail. It was so pretty. Like the mountains, when I look for pictures from last summer, from this summer, whatever, two months ago, I I always am drawn to the great divide trail pictures because the mountains were so nice, but Uh, I'm curious with y'all's experience. I'm curious with y'all's experience at that point, you do the Great Divide Trail, you do the PNT. Which one was harder for y'all? Because having super early season on the PNT might have added some extra factors in there. Um, I guess harder is a loose term to define, but in your all's opinion, which one was harder? Uh, yeah, I mean, the PNT, the, the, the bushwhacking, that, that is not fun. Um, <laughs> I mean, I guess, yeah, there's no... I would say bushwhacking on the GDT, but a lot of sections of the GDT have no, it's more um, cross country travel. You know, some of the, it's just really steep up and down these mountains with no trail and, oh yeah, uh, different, different beasts, but I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) And and at this point, on the GDT, were you all still within your time window? Was time starting to become a stressor for you, or what would that look like? Time was always a stressor. We were, I think, at that point, to a few days behind our, our schedule. But what's the schedule other than some dates we put on a spreadsheet? So mm-hmm. we felt pretty good about the time. But we had this giant question, which was, We've never done a long canoe trip. We had no idea how long the canoe would take. So we were still comfortable with how long we had taken, but but we didn't know when we hit the canoe what would what was ahead. So Yeah, so I think, you know, when we got to Canada, we really started to feel nervous about what was to come. Really, yeah, just feeling like, okay, we got to push, we got to get to the canoe because we just we don't know what to expect and it was it was it was hard that mental that extra mental stressor of we really don't know what to expect on the canoe. How how far up did you have to push the on the Great Divide Trail to connect into the canoe route? Because, again, I'm, I just might not be super familiar with it, but where was the Columbia River? Did you have to go up to Kakwa and then cut across, or was it a little before? I don't know where Kakwa is. Um, what was it called? On the, it was a few hundred miles up. Um, okay. the, the, 
the town where the Columbia River starts is called Canal Flats. I must have only been about 200 miles of the GDT, so oh, not... I it was 250. Yeah, not, not a ton. Not a ton of the GDT. So um, Peter Lougheed area, maybe? A little past that? No, I don't think we even made it that far. Um, we were several days past Crown's Nest um, Mountain. Okay. I remember... Coleman? I yeah, don't know. Yeah, Coleman. Resupply, and then we went yeah. past Coleman to I don't know 100 miles past Coleman. I don't know. Okay, we should look our maps online. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a long time ago, I guess. Too. But, um, but then the exact point where we cut over, I remember well. The problem is it's not like a landmark, which is also our problem. So there was this mountain that Renee found on the map called Mount O'Rourke, which was a point where you could follow what we thought was going to be a trail over the divide. So at where we left the GDT was just east of the divide and the river is west of the divide. So we had said, where do we cross over? We found this mountain called Mount O'Rourke that had a line on the map that went over it. And that line sure looked like a trail um, <laughs> when they made the, the map, yeah. <laughs> but it was not a trail. It was a route. And we're not mountain climbers, and root apparently means like, yeah, you could try to walk over this if you uh, <laughs> want to climb a mountain. <laughs> so we went for it. It was terrifying. Um, I got some footage I've never been allowed to post of Renee crying about the hikes. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good footage. But um, it was absolutely amazing, too. And I think after we made it up and over this crazy mountain, and we're coming down, we were both saying like, wow, we've got to do some mountaineering at some point because that was fun. It's it's a different beast, isn't it? Like, I love that you touched that there's a route on the map, but it's it's not a trail, but it, it's it's a different beast, right? So you all got a little bit of everything along this journey. It, yeah. yeah, it was, yeah, it was interesting. <laughs> yeah, you got to be careful with those lines on the map because like yeah. it, it wasn't even an attempted trail. It really was like somebody <laughs> did just draw the line. That was all. Uh, this might be a side tangent. It's off of the line thing. Did you ever run into a situation on the PNT or GDT that when you were following the GPX line or whatever it was that you look at it and you're like, somebody just threw a GPS off a cliff. You can't go down this way. <laughs> Yeah, I felt like a lot of the PNT was a line on the map, like, did, uh, yeah, where did this line come from? Did somebody... Yeah, I, I was not so pleased with um, with either the PNTA or Guthook at certain points, because um, they tell you Guthook is the official trail and they won't give you their, any other mapping resource, or Guthook is the official mapping resource of the PNTA. But there were times when, like, the data was just wrong, and you'd be better off downloading some file off the internet. It does my heart well to know that they're keeping to the essence of it, that there are still the cliffs that you're like, I can't go down this. Oh, yeah, they're <laughs> totally there. When, when did you hike it? Uh, in 2019, and then the GDT 2020. Awesome. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm glad that in the upcoming years, there's all this work, all this publicity, all this stuff with the trail agencies, but... My heart's happy. I know for y'all that might not be the best term, but my, my heart's happy. It makes me happy to hear this. Yeah, yeah my knowledge has changed in five years or whatever it's been. Oh, man. But either probably a lot has changed. They, they were really um, 
there was a freshly built trail, really well built trail. It seems like there's a lot of effort going into building that trail right now, which was yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. Oh yeah. Shout out trail maintainers. I mean, they are going after it and getting the work done, but you got to keep those little little surprise moments for folks just just to keep them on the edge of their toes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and this is going to hurt my heart a little bit, but we got to fast forward through the hike in a little bit. I don't think we're going to be able to get to the canoe and if we don't. So you finished up the PNT, you finished up the route of the G- GDT, and now you're standing at the river. <laughs> you just worked your entire lower body for the net last two and a half months. Y'all are beasts at this point. Calves are probably popping out. Uh, and then you're transitioning into something that's all upper body. <laughs> Walk me through that. <laughs> And it was a mystery because, like I said, we we didn't know how many miles you can canoe per day. Um, we didn't know what the river would be like. And, yeah, so we, we got going, and the river starts off in just these big natural lakes. And there's two of them, and we're just paddling slowly and getting exhausted and uh, and thinking to make it. But then those lakes turn into river so for like four days there was just kind of a pleasant flowing river and we started being able to do 40 miles a day and felt like that's the average we need to do to make it in time and we felt pretty good uh and but then, i mean we were i mean our upper bodies were tired it took some definitely it took a little bit of transitioning for sure um our butts were definitely sore at the beginning yeah <laughs> mentally actually mentally it was hard because you know when you're hiking you get used to where everything is and where do you put your your wallet at the end of the night and where do you put your phone when you go to sleep and where do you like keep your shoes outside the tent all that stuff and uh and when we were canoeing we had all this new stuff like dry bags and paddles and a canoe and and navigating just like where do you put your crap and how do you handle this other stuff there was a learning curve i just felt overwhelmed at the beginning with too many new pieces of equipment to get a system with but after a week or so that settled down well i i, I want to ask more in depth on that because the physicality and ment- mentality switch for some people listening they might be like well the outdoors is the outdoors, and I know that's a loose term, but saying, like, you're canoeing, you're hiking, like, you're spending time in the outdoors, but the intricacies are so different, right? So you spent so much time walking. Like, how did it feel that all of a sudden, abruptly, you're sitting? Like, yeah, what was the mental journey like with that? Was that something that took a long time to find comfort in? Did it kind of pl- not plague you, but was it something that you had to work through the entire time on the canoe, or did that just become your new reality? I don't think I don't think it felt that different to me. I guess uh, did you have an, a different answer, or I'll elaborate. You can elaborate. Okay, so it was hard. I yeah, what I didn't finish before was after we had those four days of river, it went back to being lakes behind dams, and almost the entire river was with no current. And to get our miles in, we just had to work, and so. We had had this idea that we're going to switch to sitting and it's just going to be looking at the birds and whistling and having an easy time floating down the river. And it was not. It was work so much more physical than we had been doing on the hike the entire time before then. So, um, yeah, so 
So it was our arms, and for me, it was my arms instead of my legs, but it didn't feel like I was doing anything different, just, just a different muscle doing the same thing. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, it was quite, um, quite a, a beast. He um, decided that, you know, if the, if the water is flowing, we need to just be in the canoe, and we should not take breaks outside of the canoe. So, <laughs> um, yeah, and then... Um, so, you know, just even things like filtering water, your hands are paddling, so you can't, like, you think, like, oh, yeah, it's no big deal to filter water while canoeing, but your hands are busy paddling, so you can't, you know, squeeze your Sawyer. So then we got a gravity filtration system instead so that we could paddle while filtering water. And, yeah, it was just interesting. Hmm. And from our previous conversation, too, I know y'all's hiking style is close proximity or you always are walking close to each other, but a canoe is a whole, or kayak, I think canoe, excuse me, <clears throat> a canoe is a whole new level of proximity. So y'all are <laughs> within, what, two feet of each other at all times? How do you, how do you manage that? Um, this might be a biased question for me personally, but yeah, how do you ma- manage that? Um, it, it actually went pretty well. I, I we're always hiking together, but if we do, you know, get into a little argument or something, it's always easy to just hike separately for an hour, you know, mm-hmm. and then we, you know, take a break, uh, get back together, and everything is fine, you know. But mm-hmm. yeah, and you're stuck in a canoe, you can't, you can't get away from each other. So, <laughs> um, but it, it really did go surprisingly well. I mean, for me, Tim was in the back of the canoe and I was in the front, so Tim could always see me. So that was, um, in the beginning, that was always, you know, he was like, you're not paddling or you're paddling wrong. <laughs> and, you know, that, you know, but we, we got over that pretty quickly and it became, uh, yeah, it went surprisingly well, <laughs> considering that we were in the canoe together for 11 hours a day. <laughs> I learned from a previous, well, from every previous canoe trip we've been on together, that um, that we we get along much better in a canoe if I don't have a fishing pole. Uh, <laughs> so that one move we made is I didn't carry a fishing. Okay. What, they what? sit there front paddling and I sneakily start fishing instead of paddling, and then the canoe's going the wrong direction and she's getting mad and and so that was an intentional decision. Like let's just not do a, a fishing pole. <laughs> no fishing poles. What what is how does the blend of the daily habits change? So like I know that's a very open ended question because you were talking about filtration, camping, what that, what have you. But I'm more curious like how does the blend of the moving time daily habits change? So like while you're walking, you might spend ten percent, twenty percent of your time podcast music, other percent of the time looking at nature, whatever blend you have. So. Was there a new kind of schedule y'all found on the river or did it just kind of transition from hiking? Um, yeah, I think so. On the, on the walking, um, I am the, you know, I'm the slower, you know. So Tim could sometimes do more of the chores if he ever, you know, had a little more energy than me, he would make the food and filter some extra water or something while I um, took a break because, you know, we were kind of walking at my maximum capacity. But on the canoe, that kind of switched, and 
Tim refused to stop paddling ever. He was just <laughs> a beast, just always paddling. So then I was the one who was making the snacks and um, filtering the water and stuff like that. So it was, yeah, it, we it was a different rhythm, but we found a we found the rhythm. <laughs> Another major change from hiking and canoeing is we're pretty strict, not strict, regimented about like how often we eat mm-hmm. and stuff. So, It'll, depending on how rigorous the stretch we're on is and how many miles we're doing, we are either on like a, every five miles we need a snack or every three miles we need a snack or four, you know, but in that range and we like set it at the morning and we're carrying enough snacks, easy access for the full day. And then like, we'll be counting down together. Like, oh my gosh, half a mile till a snack. So anyway, so that's that's hiking. And on canoeing, it makes no sense to keep track of your snacks based on miles because if you have a wind, you move slow. If you have a tailwind or a current, you move fast. And so we had to switch to doing that by time, which was different. But and harder, much harder to calculate. So we, yeah, definitely had, yeah, carried some extra food, which is also easier when canoeing versus on a backpack, yeah. And the resupply has probably drastically ch- changed as well, correct? Like when you're pulling up, again, I'm not super familiar with this, but you have to bank your canoe and then walk into the closest town to get food and then your, uh, I guess, your options open up maybe? Pretty similar. Um, they were... mean, yeah, they open up a little bit, but we were still in grizzly bear country, so we had to hang all of our food every night and stuff, so we didn't want to get... You know, we couldn't get really big, bulky food, so it was similar food, and it could be a little heavier. But you know, we you know, like we did a lot of tortillas and peanut butter and bagels, which yeah, I mean, versus more granola bars. But okay. early on, we carried beer occasionally on the water, like that's doable. And there was nothing better than a hot day in the middle of nowhere in Canada opening a beer and paddling at nine in the morning well, <laughs> earlier than that but the beer i pulled off on until nine but then we stopped doing that pretty quick because we noticed the beer was making us tired and if we drank too much beer we wouldn't finish so. it's it's by no means a lazy float there's still a lot of rigorous exertion that goes into it it sounds like oh my gosh yeah like the whole time it was it was a fight against the clock and yeah. Yeah, we would be waking up before sunrise and just watching because it, it, this is September when we're finishing, so the sun's setting earlier. So we were like standing by the water, waiting for there be, to be enough daylight for us to safely go out, and then we'd paddle all day until sunset, and then like, okay, we got to find a place to camp quick because the sun's down. So it, wow. yeah, everything about that uh, pushing. Wow. Yeah, um, maybe. Like, yeah, there, yeah, it was all in the Pacific Northwest, so it was just a very short time window. So maybe we packed in a little too much, but uh, it was still a pretty amazing trip. And I would love to do more canoeing because, yeah, the canoeing was amazing. Oh, that was actually my next question, Bees. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say that, like, if I change this trip to, to make it better, I do half the distance per day on the canoe that we were doing we were doing like 40 miles or so per day i cut it down to 20 and it would still be a challenging trip so but it would be a little bit more enjoyable too because 
uh, correct me if I'm wrong, this was your first combination of canoeing and hiking. So that's, that was my next question is like after an adventure like that, are you leaning towards more just go out, do a trail or a route, 100% hiking? Or is the options now opened up for you all that you're like, no, I really enjoy that type of adventure. I want to start mixing in different type of human powered activity. Yeah, I think, you know, now I have in my head that, oh, maybe this winter I want to do like a, a through ski of, a, you know, a German trail or something fun like that. I think it is like there are other cool sports, not just hiking, but yeah, I don't know. It's, yeah, hmm. yeah I, I hadn't even thought about more combo routes like this. It was really cool to have the combination, so why not? But just in general, I think this opened up my eyes more to, I, I like the outdoors in, in all of its ways. And you know, for a couple of years, we had gotten so into through hiking that, that that was all I wanted to do. But yeah, yeah this trip kind of was an eye opener, or it reminded me that, no, I like I like canoes also. I like biking also, and I like yeah, skiing seems fun if we manage to do that. So there's a lot of ways to be outside and still doing the same kind of experience, but not necessarily just pounding miles on your feet. Yeah. Well, but definitely. My yeah, I, I mean, I love through hiking. Yeah, <laughs> we'll definitely be through hiking again in the future. Yeah, yeah, totally. Well, congratulations to you both. It sounds like on the little bit we were able to go through, like an in, quite an intense journey in the way that y'all chewed it off. Um, yeah, congratulations. So I have, I have two last questions before we wrap up the show. And the first one, you can, I guess, apply it to the Pacific Northwest Circuit, or you can just apply it to more in general. And I usually love asking my guests this because it goes into wonderful places. So yeah, second to last question, what does the trail mean to you? Oh, I, I thought about this. I was listening to your guy, uh, the, the most recent episode that's out. Uh, I forgot his name. Shut and I up. heard you ask him, what would I answer when he asks me that? And I got the answer. Ooh, uh, it, freedom. It means freedom. And uh, it, just freedom in every sense of the word. Not being tied to a clock, not being tied to a schedule. Just whatever I want. If I want to sit around and get a late start, I can do that. Not that I do that often, but I could, and I can eat what I want. Uh, yeah, it means free. Cool. That's really fun because I um, have not been listening to the podcast every day like Tim, so I wasn't prepared for this question, but um, <laughs> freedom was exactly the first word that came to my mind as well. So, um, yeah. there, is, there is a reason y'all hike together. <laughs> y'all both have the same answer. <laughs> yeah, you should let me answer this first since you were, I already thought of your answer. Well, I had to buy you time. <laughs> I love it. Simple, straightforward, to the point. Um, yeah, that's awesome. So after a journey like this, too, y'all have done the PCT, y'all have done the CDT, and I don't know, from talking to y'all, it doesn't sound like there's an overarching thing, goal here, but yeah, is there a goal that you're looking for, I guess, in the outdoor community, through hiking community, paddling community, whatever it may be? Is there an overall goal that y'all are searching to reach? And if so, what is that? That's a good question. Uh, so, I, I mean, just having fun and, and enjoying it, I would say, is is my goal with it. Yeah, I think, yeah, just after the 
the PCT, our first through hike, it, it's just such an amazing experience and um, yeah, just just love it. Just love every everything about through hiking. So I guess yeah, just addiction maybe. <laughs> yeah, it's just something to do. You gotta do something with your life. Why not do something you're enjoying? So it's a good question though. Like, what would a goal be? I have work goals. I have whatever financial goals in life so maybe i should have a hiking goal but but i don't know if you're crown a goal or something no just gonna maybe i'll do that someday but mostly just focusing on the next trail we haven't planned it but the next thing that that seems fun is what we've been talking about doing so we have ideas but no triple crown anytime soon nice and i mean this again could be a whole can of worms that we could go down but i promise we won't but like even the goal from the way both of you answered the question, what does the trail mean to you, can just be the freedom. Um, that's something that, again, personally, my partner and I have been searching for more and more of. So it doesn't have to be a, I guess, concrete goal. So any way to find it, like the freedom aspect of it, I love that you guys both answered that. So yeah, it could be a concrete goal, triple crown, whatever, or it could just be enjoying it. And it sounds like y'all both have great mentalities for getting out there. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. I think ever since we first met each other, we would, you know, uh, go on little camping trips when we were in uh, college together and, yeah, just love getting outdoors and, yeah. Awesome. Well, Renee and Tim, thank you so much for the time. Um, Very last piece of the show. I want to turn it over to you, give the platform to y'all so people can know where they can stay up to date with you, follow along. So, yes, the platform is yours. Cool. Well, uh, yeah, so we, we're through hikers on TikTok and Instagram, spelled with a U. On YouTube, our channel's called Through Hikers. We have a blog. The blog is pretty cool. Um, I think it's a little bit less well-known than, than the others, but uh, but the people who read it, I don't know, they give good feedback about some of our useful info. So that's throughhikers.co, kind of like .com, but without the M. <laughs> Um, yeah, I think that covers everything. That covers it. Awesome. Well, I will link all of that in the show notes below. So both of y'all, thank you so much for the time today. It was, it was fun chatting. Thanks, Yeah, thank you very much. Well, that'll do it for this week. We hope you enjoyed our conversation. If you enjoyed it, please feel free to pop on over to Apple Podcasts or whatever player you use and leave a rating and a review. It helps other people find the show. This podcast is brought to you by Eleven Skies gear that will change with you not for you so give us a check out at 11skies.com and that's the show see you next week